us. Thank you. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your help. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your leadership and direction in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please be seated. The way you danced. Don't sleep on me, that's all. Maybe you should have dozed off a bit. Because now, what you are doing, what you have done now, you are going to now begin to be going off on me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Good. So, we've been talking about living for Christ and the things we will need to live for Jesus, isn't it? We spoke about we need to learn a lot about salvation so that we can explain, give answers, be able to show somebody why they must be born again. Amen. And then also we learned or we spoke about how that we must be forceful. We must have a very strong drive. We must not accept excuses and be overcomers of excuses. We must overcome certain mindsets that have the power to restrict us and to contain us, such as involving the new believers immediately in the reaching out of souls because they are the ones actually that are very connected to unbelievers because they just came out of there. Amen. Good. Now, going forward, I want us to Okay, I wanted to talk about this, but I just feel I should do something else. And I want to talk about this one. I want to talk about this one. Many are called. Why do I want to talk about it? You see, Unless you understand and know for a fact that what you are doing or what you have set out to do has the backing of God with you, Satan can easily make you doubt whether what you are doing is is God really, really wants you to be involved? Is it not your pastor? Is it not you who is trying to be too known? Are you with me? If you are not sure of what you are doing, you can't do it well. If you are not sure of what you are doing, if you encounter a small problem, you can easily think that it means that maybe God is not with you. I think, are you feeling cold? 
Oh, I think the, the course is from their jumping. Let them. They are sweating. They are sweating. If you put it off. Now, I think sometimes the cold has a way of keeping them awake. So one of the ways of making people awake is not to chill the room. Because when we are cold, we can't sleep. So if you, if you are having a meeting and you realize people are sleeping and it's air conditioned, you just drop the temperature. When they start shaking, everybody will be awake. Amen. So, it is important for us to be convinced that yes, we are part of the army that God is depending on to bring many people to Jesus. Because if he's not willing for anybody to perish, and because of that, he has taken his time before carrying out judgment, then it means that he would also want to make the most of everyone who is in his kingdom to be involved in bringing many people. Because Jesus himself acknowledged that the harvest is a lot, but the laborers are few. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 either 37 or 38 he said the harvest is great but the workers are few are you with me that God himself could admit and acknowledge that there's a lot of harvest but the workers are few what was the response to this observance so pray the lord who is in charge of the harvest ask him to send more workers into his fields are you with me so the truth is that god knows that he needs more workers Are you with me? And that the work is not just for a few people. It's for many. That is why the scripture says in Matthew 22, I think verse 14, is it verse 14? That many are called. Many are called. It's only few that get chosen because it's few who prepare themselves for the call. Do you get it? For many are called but few are chosen. It's not God's intention to choose few people. But it's normally few people that respond. Are you with me? And the reason why few people respond is that Satan through deception tries to eliminate a lot of the people that are called. By telling them you are not called. So this book actually is an ammunition to make you not fall to the deception of Satan to say I'm not called because you see Satan is very good at what he does look if you are looking for somebody who is very good at what he does apart from God is Satan 
If God is number one, Satan is number two. If you don't include God, then Satan is number one. Yeah. He's very good at what he does. And you know, he has a way of deceiving you by giving you a picture of the people that are likely to be called by God. You see, so as I'm standing here and I'm preaching, you see, Satan will tell you that, you see, the gifts that I have, you have none of them. So you shouldn't even attempt to think that you can do what I'm doing. So you are the one who is feeling cold. Mamruti. Mamruti is feeling cold. Maybe you can come beside. Oh. Yeah, better out there, yeah. You know, Mamruti, they always feel cold, so. My, my, my wife also is always cold. We are in the house, even in summer, there's a heater on. <laughs> Don't say that I said it. <laughs> you didn't hear it. If you go and say it, I'll deny it. <laughs> you get it? But Satan is good at making you have an idea. And from that perspective, he begins to manipulate you away from good things. Do you know that most people think that people who do the work of God, who are preaching and this, they, they don't have anything, they have no bad thoughts. It's like almost, it's only, everything is fine with them. Isn't it? What do you say? Isn't it? Yeah. Most people think when you are a pastor, you have finished all your troubles, like there's no trouble with you. Or, it's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is not true. Why, why is that so? Why is that so? How can you assume that I don't have your problem when I don't have four, since I got born again, I've not had four eyes. I still have two eyes, one nose, one flesh, and everything. But somehow, that's what Satan says. So what happens is that by so doing, he tells you, no, you are not one of the people called by God. He'll tell you, no, no, you are too young. You are a child. So God, God doesn't do, this one is not children's work. It's adult's work. Isn't it? He'll tell you, no, you see, you, you, you have some sins also still present. So you, can't, you should clear you should clean up yourself properly before you start telling people they must be born again. Or Satan doesn't say that to you. So, are you sure? Does he say that to you? When? <laughs> Come again. Most of the time, that's, that's the feeling a lot of... So, majority of the church members, do you get the majority of the church members, it's like... They stay out because of these deceptions. They stay out completely. It's like, no, 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 no. This is not for me. It's for only people who are perfect. No, no. God is not looking for perfect people because there's no perfect person who can who is here on earth. God is looking for willing people. God is looking for willing people. People who are willing to allow themselves to be used by him 
admitting and acknowledging that the life they have belongs to God. They get it. That, that's why you, you see, that's, that's, you may be surprised to, to think or to discover that the idea of keeping new believers for some time before we start introducing them to the work of God is coming from that. Meanwhile, they are the ones actually that can lead us to the hideouts because they've just come from there. But what do we do? We keep them out of the business. So they don't, we don't get to use them because we feel that they are still dirty. They must be cleaned up small. But you see, the cleaning up is not going to be done until we put up the source of the debt, which is this flesh. So knowing and understanding that many are called gives you confidence to include yourself and to include yourself well without a shadow of doubt. So some of the topics that are here, you see, I don't know, but I feel that if you read this and understand it, it will make you very bold. Because when Satan says, shut up, you, you, you still are sinning, you say, Satan, shut up. That's why I must talk. Because do you know that some of you, if you were to really reach out to people and tell them how you feel, they will not feel bad coming to church. Because the reason why they don't come, a lot of people don't come to church, not that they don't want to come to church, but they feel that they need to clean up a bit before they come. So it's like the person is stuck in the mud and thinking that he must clean the mud off himself first before he can come. And you are stuck in the mud. You can't stand in the mud and clean yourself of mud. The water that you are using to clean yourself whilst in the mud would make even the mud go deeper places. But when you are stuck in the mud, you know what the mud is? Like maram or this like dirt, real clay, you are stuck in it. You know the ones where when you press down trying to come up, you go down. Every press takes you deeper. Uh-huh. Those ones that you are stuck in. The more you struggle, the deeper you go. And you are stuck in it and you say, no, you see, I can't go to God because I have this debt on me. I need to clean it. You can't clean it where you are standing. You have to get out of it first before you can clean it. No amount of water brought to you whilst you are stuck in it would ever clean you. So it would be nice if you tell people that, listen, I'm born again, but I still have those feelings and everything. I'm struggling with, I'm praying, I'm believing God to help me to move out from that zone. So you, because some people, the reason why they don't come to church is because they have a boyfriend. Yeah, a lot of people don't come, it's because of this boyfriend, I'm drinking, I'm drinking. But you see, you can't stop drinking whilst you are under Satan's control. You have to come under God's control. Then, his power will be working to stop you from drinking. So many are called because the calling is not a call for perfect people, but it's a call for willing people. 
And are you willing? You should be willing if you are not living for yourself. Amen. Amen. So you see different chapters. Many are called. Uh, you don't have it, eh? I don't know why they didn't bring. It would have been good if we would have gone through it. Uh, you're supposed to have Macarius. How many of you have Macarius? Very few, very few. So, because it talks about the many are called, the meanings, and all those things. So, basically, a few things about the call of God. You see, God has called you to live for him and has given you a new life. What you need to know is that the call is not to a few, it's to many. And if it's to many, you are likely to be included. If it's few, you may not be included, but many, you are likely to be included. And it's a call to fruitfulness. It's a call to fruitfulness. Not a call to vanity. You see, Satan, your, your life under the management of Satan is a life that has, that is, when it has ended, it will have nothing to show for it. Your life under the management of Satan, when it has ended, when it's finished and you're out of here, it will have nothing to show for it. But your life under the management of God through Jesus Christ, when it has ended, it will have a lot to show for here and it will have a lot to show for where you are going. Amen. Amen. So it's a call to fruitfulness. In fact, if it's a call to fruitfulness, then it's a call to giving glory to God. And God is happy when you are fruitful. And when God is happy because of you, you can imagine what will happen to you. Now, a few people get called in like a dramatic, spectacular way. A few people get called with some something supernatural. But majority of the people are called in a very ordinary way. Very ordinary way. There's no light. There's no angel leading you. Nothing. Very ordinary. Majority of people are called in a very ordinary way. So what it means is that if majority of people are called in an ordinary way, then you are likely to, be, to have been called. Are you with me? Because if Satan says to you, how do you know that you are called? Oh, because majority of people that are called are called in an ordinary way. So I know that I'm called. Are you with me? Yeah, it's very important. You see, so this information is like, it's a defense against the onslaught of Satan on your mind. Let's see, do you really, if I was not saying what I'm saying, would you have thought of yourself as somebody that God will want to use. No, no. When we look at ourselves, we see our sins. When Adam and Eve looked at themselves, they didn't like what they saw. 
So they have to cover. You see, the thing that they saw didn't only come after they ate the fruit. It has always been there. It didn't occur to you. It didn't occur to you that it's always been there. Mm-hmm. It's been hanging there for free. But now, when they looked at them, they said, oh. Let's cover, let's cover. It's not nice. It doesn't look nice. Do you get it? So, what Satan does is that when you are born again, and you say that I want to serve, you come to church. Pastor preaches, we must serve the Lord. You say, hey, hmm, Pastor, he doesn't know me. Eesh. Because sometimes, even when you are going to the bathroom, some of you boys, the thoughts that occur to you, you have to fight. You have to speak something. In the name of Jesus, I'm just here to bath, and I'll bath and go. Because some of you, when you undress, other thoughts occur to you. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> eh? You don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. You know. So let's keep it secret. (laughs) 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 You see, and look, and you are saying that you are called. How can somebody like you be called? You see, even David, even David, the one God said, I have found me a man after my own heart. Even him. Even him. I said, even him. When he saw, he was moved. Not with compassion. But with other things. You see, King David, the Bible says, at the time when kings go to war, the king was taking it easy on his rooftop. And what he saw, he couldn't resist it. He couldn't resist. He saw something. The man whose heart is after God, his eyes is not after God. Do you get it? But God liked him. I said God liked him. Among the people, the children of Israel, he's the one God really likes. The ones whose eyes was not after God. But whose heart was after God. Are you with me? Good. So most, you see, you need to know that that I have not something supernatural, something spectacular, does not mean that I've, I've not been called. You see, the essence and the evidence that God has been dealing with you and God has called you is the fact that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is the evidence that God is God has called you. Because Jesus said in John 6:37 that no one can come to me 
except the Father draws them to me. I think, which verse? It's around here. Just use the King James to find it. No one can come to me except. They said, they said, I think 35, 35. They said, it looks like the people are offended. When Jesus said, you have to eat my bread, you have to eat my body and all those things. Hey, pastor, the message you preach, it didn't sit down well with the church at all. Himself has drawn to me. So the evidence of your calling is your belief in Jesus Christ as the son of God. That is the evidence of your calling. So if you are waiting to look for an angel coming with some light and some, some touch to touch your mouth and things, it may never happen. Are you with me? It may never happen. Because, you see, Paul experienced that bright light. Are you with me? But Jeremiah didn't experience any bright light. Yet God said, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were conceived in your mother, I've chosen you, I've ordained you to go and preach my word. Are you with me? So if Satan is challenging you or deceiving you, that how you, this thing, you see, it's not everybody who is supposed to do this. Satan is deceiving you to let go of what you should never let go of. It's everybody. It's everybody. If God didn't want you to do something, why would he bring you to Jesus? The reason why you will not be chosen is because you, you, you didn't believe you are called. And so you will not prepare yourself to be chosen. But when you believe that you are called and you are seriously involved, you will be chosen. Is it Nico or Neil? No, your eyes is closing. I don't know what, what you have done to it. Uh, are you with me? Yes. So many are called and know that there's nothing, there may be nothing spectacular about it. Amen. Amen. Now, who are the people that, who are the type of people God calls? Well, God calls many. And in the many, you have all different types. God calls people that have failed before. So if you feel you are a failure because of that, God doesn't call you. It's not true. Moses attempted to be a leader of his people. And the people say, hey, get out of here. Who made you a judge of us? Are you coming to kill us? So that attempt to lead the people failed. So when God sent him again, he didn't want to go. 
Yeah. God calls people that have been rejected. You see, the same Moses was rejected. Who made you a judge over us? Who made you a judge over us? He was rejected by the same people that he was sent back to. So you see, sometimes we feel that it's like God calls people that have everything correct. No. You have different type of issues. Do you know that the Bible, a lot of the Bible was written by Medres? I thought that the Bible should have been written by angels since it's the word of God. They were written, written by Medras. Chief Medra. Medra number one. From, from back to or from forward to back or back to forward whichever way. Paul. Paul was there when Stephen was being killed. And he was the one who held I think somebody's clothes. When the guy was being stoned, he was there. And in fact, after that incident, he opened a business of searching for the people that are born again. So that they would put them in prison and kill some of them. In fact, he was on one such journey when the Lord Jesus showed up to him. Another medra is the medra. Kindi. The one who wrote the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my light and my salvation. And all the beautiful psalms. That guy he murdered his right hand man. He organized for the right hand man. He didn't murder his enemy. He murdered his. Yeah. He was a, he was a, a good killer. Said that when he got ready to build a temple for God, God said, How can you? Your hands, he said, your hands have too much blood. So as for the temple, I like you, but no, 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 no. <laughs> you shed too much blood. Let your son do it for you. These are the people who read the Bible, though. And many other murderers, people with lying problems. I mean, Abraham, you are working with a lady, you said she should be your sister. When you have been, you have been riding her. Moses was a normal, excellent killer. He was uh, 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 one of these Navy SEALs. He killed the man without a weapon. He was the one who wrote the first five books of the Bible. The Bible is written by Medreso. You would have taught angels. 
So listen, the point I'm trying to tell you is that the type of people that God uses, in fact, they, they are varied from one end to the other. From very dirty to not so clean. <laughs> There's none of them that is clean. There's none of them that is clean. Hallelujah. I mean, liars, Peter. You know Jesus, you'd say, I don't know him. Not once, not twice, three times. And then you are writing first Peter and second Peter. You see, a number of the people that God will use, they also have inferiority complex. I'm no good. I can't talk. That's, that's, those are the people God uses. Because it has nothing to do with you. You see, let me just sum this up. There are many characteristics. You must have the book. God can use, or God calls young people. God calls people who can't talk well. And so many other people. Listen, the bottom line is that it is not about you. It is about God. He just wants your vessel. So that you have failed, that you couldn't do, doesn't mean that when he is in charge, it can't do. It will do. Because he has all the power. Is everything okay there? Yeah, he has all the power. Are you with me? Yeah. And so you need to really believe in the call of God and go forward. And go forward. So read this book. It will, it will arm you with information. Counter information. So that when Satan presents that, they say, no, shut up, Satan. I'm doing the right thing. This is the right road. Amen. Good. Now, you see, the work that God has called you to do is not a work of building schools and building houses and things. No. It's a work of shepherding being a shepherd you see and this book would give you the information what it means to be a shepherd what it means to be a shepherd do you get it what it means to be a shepherd what it means to be a shepherd and you have all the things in it because that's what you have been called to do, actually, to be a shepherd, to look after the flock of God. At whatever level, you'll be looking after something. Are you with me? Yeah. So in the, in the, in the titles, you have what is a shepherd, why you can become a shepherd. And so many other things that you need to know. It will help you. You must get the book. All these books are here. They are supposed to help you to read, to give you information, to set you in motion to serve God. Now, I want to just talk about the four big areas of our work. Of living for Jesus. The four big areas. 
number one is prayer. Area number one is prayer. Hmm. Area number two is visitation. Area number three is counseling stroke teaching. Counseling. When you counsel the person, you talk to them, you give the person advice, stroke teaching. And area number four is interaction. And it's just all the things, the details you need here is in this book, Transform Your Pastoral Ministry. You see, don't, don't allow the word pastoral to put you off because that's what you are. The president is not born a president. He's born a baby. But he grows up into being a president. So when you see him as a small boy, you are seeing a president at its, at its young age. Whatever we are, we are not born it. We grow into it. So, that the book is titled Transform Your Pastoral Ministry does not mean that it doesn't talk about you. It actually talks about you. Amen. Amen. Good. So, in the area of prayer, you see the shabby shepherding that you said, it's, it's just a combination, it's detailed presentation of this thing. In the area of prayer, as a church and as a people, you see, unless you have an organized way of ensuring that prayer is constantly going on, what happens is that after a while it gets neglected because so many other things come in. When you are growing, things, change, things, things come up. You don't know, but that's what happens. When you start to grow, you begin to leave certain things. It's not that you don't like them anymore, but, but other things begin to attract your attention. And the disciples or the apostles try to prevent such a situation when the Bible says, and when the number of disciples grew, there arose a memory between the widows of the Grecians and the, the Jews. And then the thing was brought to the apostles that some of them were being neglected. The widows of the Grecians were being neglected. Do you get it? But they decided that if we make a mistake and get ourselves involved in all these things, 
it's going to lead to a neglect. So what happens is that, or what we are doing currently, and what will be good for you to do, is to have things well organized. Do you get it? To have things well organized. So that prayer would go on continually. It does it. You see, Satan knows what prayer is to a believer. And therefore, he would try to deceive you before you realize prayer is gone out of your life. And once prayer goes out of your life, no matter how much wind is in your sail, it will start deflating. Now, so as people that are called by God and as people that are willing to live for Jesus, you need to see prayer in different dimensions. One of them is prayer in your own personal life. Do you get it? A prayer for yourself, about yourself, and with you as the center to be able to live for Jesus. Because living for Jesus isn't easy. In this crooked world, it's not easy. So you need to have organized prayer time for yourself to be able to live for Jesus. But most of us don't have organized, we don't have like a timetable that we look to every, okay, so this Monday I'm praying for myself. Tuesday, I'm praying for the people that got born again. Wednesday, I'm praying for the area where I stay. That people who must be born again, must be born again. Thursday, I'm praying for the church. Friday, I'm praying for pastor. Most of us, we don't have it. And it is also the reason why we don't pray. You see, when you don't have a timetable to study, it doesn't take you long not to study. Are you with me? Yeah. And listen, we are not up against a, a, a chief enemy. We are up against not a strong enemy, but rather a very clever enemy. So we need to have in our lives organized and clearly arranged prayer way before the times. So like your basenta leaders, there must be a prayer timetable. There must be a prayer timetable. There must be a fasting timetable. Because what it is is that if you leave it, it never gets done. When was the last time you fasted for three days? No, sorry. When was the last time you fasted? Last week, Friday. That's good. Um, is it, did you do it by yourself or you were told to do it? <laughs> Come again. Exactly. So if they had not told you, when would have been the last one? No, you see, the last one you did was Friday, but that one they told you. So if they had not told you this Friday one, when would have been your last one? 
and January it was church fasting. Isn't it? So if there was no church fasting in January, when would have been your last one? <laughs> She's giving up. It's like, you see, now I'm trying to explain to you that it was nice hearing her say the last time she fasted was Friday. And I'm explaining to you that it was only possible because it was organized. And that in her own life, there's no prayer that she did which was not organized. And meanwhile, you are born again, isn't it? You are going to heaven. (laughs) You are not sure. You are not sure. Come again. I'm sure. You are sure that you are going to heaven? Yes. Yeah. And how long have you been sure that you are going to heaven? (laughs) (laughs) For three years now. Three years now? But you see, three years now... It has not occurred to her that fasting is important. (laughs) But you see, when you organize it, it makes people do what they have to do. So the absence of a clearly organized prayer schedule for everybody in the church makes the church not to pray. Are you with me? Yeah. So, there must be a clear structure. Very organized. At different levels. Individual levels. Group levels. And the whole church level. Yeah, it's important. It, it must be written out clearly. Everybody is there. This, this is somebody, and somebody must check and make sure. If you said if you are supposed to fast on Wednesday and you didn't fast, you must explain why you didn't fast. Have you realized that most of you don't do your personal fast? But have you realized that the fast that you de- declare personally easily gets cancelled? I don't know if you know that. It's like I decide that tomorrow I'm fasting. Then in the middle of tomorrow, some chisanyama. And it's not like we are a group of people fasting, but I have decided I'm fasting. Then say, okay, I'll postpone it to Monday. <laughs> let me, let me. It, because why? Because I am the one who have decided it. And I'm the one who can re- re- reposition it. But if it is a church fasting or it's been decided that all Basenta leaders are fasting, it is hard for you to break it. Because when you have your prayer meeting, how many were able to fast today? It's like I went halfway. No, so what happens? It's, look, there are times where I have declared a whole church fast. And I'm saying to myself, if I wasn't the pastor, I would break, I would not fast. But because I'm the pastor, it's like I'm forced to fast. Because maybe I'm hungry. 
There are times I've woken up and said, ah, if I was not a pastor of this church, I would not have gone to church. <laughs> hmm? Are you with me? So prayer is important. Prayer for the harvest field and prayer for the souls. It's very crucial. So all these things you must organize. And you see, one of the things that I must say is that, you know, let's, let's, let's stop playing jokes. It's difficult to do things on your own. It takes a lot of doing it together before you can do it on your own. Most of us, if we start to have, even now, 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 if we were to say we are praying for one hour individually, like everybody go and sit somewhere and pray for one hour, some of us will sleep for one hour. <laughs> we will not pray for, we will sleep for one hour. But you see, if all of us are here now praying, we can't even sleep. Because hey, Charlie, you can't sleep. The sister is watching me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm feeling sleepy, but the brother is watching me. I don't know how I'm going to explain. So you'll be awake, moving around. Amen. Yeah. So that's how it is. Are you with me? So I'm talking about the chapter. You need to organize. Prayer must be well organized. And it must run through systematically everywhere. Don't leave anything to somebody's personal decision. Decide for them and help them to do what needs to be done. And they will do it. They will, people will do it. They will gladly do it. If you declare that all Basenta leaders will fast on Tuesday, you'll be surprised. A lot of people will fast. There are some few people they are stubborn. Even if Jesus said it, they won't do but a lot of people will do it because you said it. If you didn't say it, they wouldn't have done it. But once you say it, they will do it. Amen. Amen. Good. And then the subject of visitation. All of it are here. I'm not going into details because all of it are here. The subject of visitation. Now, you see, without a good data of the people you have organized into categories you can allocate people to be visited so you need to have that good data and generate a visitation list it prevents the constant visitation of a brother by a sister or for a sister by a brother because you are always going to sister A's house in the name of our coming to visit. Meanwhile, you are attracted to Sister A. Meanwhile, there are five other people that have never been visited and that are crying to be visited and you don't go. But if a visitation list is generated, then we will ask you, did you do this? Did you do this? Then you have to explain. So what happens is that it makes people do the right thing and by so doing, everybody gets cared for. And visitation is a significant thing. It has power. It has power. Visitation is very significant. It has power. And if you don't do it as a church, I encourage you to do it. You see, when you visit people, you convey the message that your house is not too far from the church. And your house is not too far for me to come. When you visit people, you tell the person, you tell him that, it tells the person that I'm, I'm also an important person in the church. 
Amen? Amen. Do you do visitations? Yeah. You must do it. And then there are also basic rules of visitation. I mean, one brother going to visit a sister all the time alone. If you're a brother going to visit a sister, get another brother. Yeah. I mean, most of the time, when it's possible, at least there must be always a company. There must always be a company. Because one-on-one has challenges. Before you realize, affection is developing. And then the thing that was meant to be a visitation has become another visitation. (laughs) Another one, yeah. PVC, counseling or teaching. You see, one of the things that I've found with a lot of Christians is that they don't know how to talk to you to give you knowledge and to impart knowledge. People don't know how to talk to you to impart knowledge to you. People don't know how to teach, how to give you counsel. But you see, one of the simplest things is that whatever somebody says, I want to do, or whatever it is, he says, So, which verse is this? Which verse is this? Why do you want to do this? Which verse is instructing you? It's a simple question. It will always make you do the right thing. Which verse is this? Which verse is this? Which verse is this? You get it? But what it is also is that you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. You cannot give what you don't have. So it means that to be able to teach, you have to feed yourself spiritually. To be able to give counsel, you should have learned a lot. You should have read a lot. You should have heard a lot. Then your counsel would be will bring to pass the scripture that says, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Because whatever you are sharing with the person is not something that you are only thinking, but it's something that you've heard somebody else say it. Amen. And then interaction. 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 Oh, how important it is to interact with people. Some of you you are a loner. You don't talk to anybody. You are unduly quiet. You, no, no, no. It's not good. You see, one of the things that makes people stay in a church is how interactive the church is. When you go to a church where they do a lot of interaction and there's a lot of interaction going on, it makes you feel like there's love in the church. There's warmth. So you want to stay there. But where everybody is to himself, nobody talks to you, everybody after service, everybody's no 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 no. It's not it's not nice. Some of you are like that. You are very you talk to nobody. Is there anybody here like that? There's somebody here like that. Mm. 
You must force yourself to interact with people. So, Hi, what's your name? How are you? I'd like to be your friend if you don't mind. How long have you been coming to this church? Oh, okay. I see. Great. That's a, so how did you find the service today? Did you learn anything? I learned that one, two, three, four, five. So I like, anyway, by the way, I'd like to be your friend. Do you mind if I call you to just check on you during the week? So no problem. Okay, please may I have your number. My name is whatever it is. I mean, simple interaction. Most people don't. Is it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it that people don't know how to do it or they don't want to do it? Come again. They don't know how to do it. They don't want to do it because the same people that are quiet, they have the place they talk. Yeah, the same people that are quiet, they have a place they talk. And I've learned that quietness doesn't mean the person can't talk. But interaction is very good. Interaction makes people stay in the church. Interaction allows you to see who is who and who is where. Do you get it? And, and it really, really goes a long way to help you. Hallelujah. Great. I want us to pray for some few minutes before we continue. Want to rise to our feet and let's talk to the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Somebody come and lead a prayer briefly for me. Come. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lift up your voice and thank the Lord for His word and ask Him for strength. Ask Him for strength.